Hello, and welcome to the Michigan Murders. I'm Laura. And I'm Stephanie. We have been absent for a while, but we're back. (laughs) Yes. I promise we didn't quit. (laughs) We just took a little little time. Yeah. It's been a busy time. I will say that. True that. But I think, if I remember right, you're first. (laughs) It's been, I don't even know how many weeks. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. Mine today is on uh, Elias Abuelazam. I'm so sorry if I butcher any names. But um, born August 29, 1976, Elias Abuelazam is an Arab-Israeli convicted murderer and a suspect of racially motivated serial killings and stabbings. Abuelazam was born in Israel to a well-to-do Christian family. And as a child, he moved to the United States with his family where he acquired a green card, but never quite gained uh, U.S. citizenship. According to the State Department, Abulazan changed his last name to Abulazam in March 95. Until 2008, Abulazam worked at Piedmont Behavioral Health Center, which is an adolescent psychiatric facility in Leesburg, Virginia. Now it's known as uh, North Spring Behavioral Healthcare, but he was there as a mental health technician. After moving to Michigan, he worked as a clerk at King Water Market in Beecher from July 5 to August 1, 2010. Most customers knew him as Eli, and he was cited for giving alcohol to a minor on July 29, which is the same day a 59-year-old man was stabbed in Flint. Abuelazam's legal address is in Bradenton, Florida, according to the warrant. And he previously lived in Grand Blanc, according to the state records, although Abuelazam most recently lived in a house belonging to his uncle on Maryland Avenue on Flint's east side. Abuelazam married Jessica Hearth, also known as Jessica Nimitz and Jessica Abuelazam, on July 30th, 2004. He reportedly emotionally abused her, which, not really a shocker, if we're talking about a killer they're usually going to abuse those that they live with. After they divorced in 2007, Abuelazam married again. I couldn't see who, but they just left it with Jessica, I guess. <laughs> Jessica and her parents later said that they were shocked after he was accused of the murders and stabbings. But, I mean, were you, though? Like, um, that, that is kind of a big leap from being awful to someone you're married to to stabbing someone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but there there had to have been some sort of radar, like red flags. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Especially if he did so, like, 18 attacks in just a couple of months. That's a lot. It's weird. Drink. Right. He is suspected in a string of 18 stabbing attacks from May to August in 2010. Wow. So three months, 18 stabbings. There, there ha- like, uh, that's why I'm like... Yeah, I didn't know something was off up there. <laughs> so I could kind of understand that, where you're like, they might be acting weird, or maybe you'll think they're all like having right. an affair. <laughs> it's probably not the first thought to be right. just doing serial stabbings. <laughs> true, true, true. <laughs> um, and the string of attacks resulted in five deaths. Most of the alleged attacks occurred in Genesee County, specifically in and around the Flint area. Five stabbings occurred elsewhere, um, which were three in Leesburg, Virginia, one in Toledo, Ohio, and one of his 
one in his native home of Ramla, Israel. All of his alleged victims were described as small framed men, and the majority of them were African American, which is what gets down to the racially motivated. During the investigation, Michigan media called Abuelazam the Flint serial slasher and the Flint serial stabber. Abuelazam has been convicted in one of the murders, that of 49-year-old Arnold Miner, which occurred on August 2nd, 2010 in Flint. And he is currently serving a life uh, or a sentence of life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. But of course, because of this, Genesee County prosecutors have announced that he will not stand trial for the other crimes in their jurisdiction, nor will authorities in Toledo or Leesburg try him. So they're just giving up after. Cool, cool. Um, I wonder if it's just they didn't have enough evidence to make it worse. I I mean, I don't know. If you're really connected to all those, you would think there would be something. If they don't have any kind of DNA evidence or any kind of anything that puts him on the spot enough that he'll be convicted. That would be tough to be like, yeah, we're going to spend money on mm-hmm. this. But of course, since this is happening and they're not going to try him anywhere else on May 2nd, 2017, he convinced to one of the uh, 2009 murders in Leesburg. Oh, he just confessed to it just randomly or he confessed because they're not going to oh. try him. So he's just like, yeah, by the way, I did this one. Wow. Since you're only going to get me on these, this one. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what I did. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, there's no statute of limitations on that one. So they really, if they wanted to, with that confession, may be able to do something. Right. Police and prosecutors claim that between May and August, Abuelazam would drive around late at night, approach small frame men who were walking alone, ask for directions or for help fixing his car, which was a green uh, Chevy Trailblazer, and then he would stab them, usually in the chest or stomach. Jeez. Abuelazam's alleged victims were mostly black, and police in Leesburg suspect the attacks may have been racially motivated, since the population there is mostly white. Hmm. So, I mean, like, when you put it together like that, it's like, okay, yeah. most of the people are here are white. Why are you killing all the black people? Like, come on. Uh, Genesee County prosecutors, however, have declined to speculate on his motive. Of course they will. However, while noting the population of Flint is also mostly black, so that's why they're just like, well, I mean, of course he went from one area which was, had a low black population to one that had a high black po- I mean, just think about it, guys. <laughs> like... <laughs> Abuelazam is also suspected of having stabbed a friend in the face with a screwdriver while on a visit to his family, yeah, in Ramla in the early 2010. Police did not pursue the case because the friend refused to press charges. Wow. So I don't know if things are different uh, in Israel where they just, I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't press charges, but. It's hard to say. Yeah. Leesburg police have said Abuelazam is also a suspect in an unsolved homicide in uh, March of 09. Abuelazam was first arrested August 5th of 2010 in Arlington, Virginia, during a traffic stop. He was taken into custody because he had a warrant out for his arrest for a simple assault. Just, you know, simple assault. And then later released on a personal bond. 
And then six days later, on August 11, he was arrested by U.S. Customs and Border, border Protection officers in the um, Hartsfield-Jackson-Atlanta International Airport while preparing to board a Delta flight uh, that was bound for Tel Aviv. Hmm. So he was trying to skedaddle. Yeah. On August 13th, two days later, he waived his right to fight extradition to Michigan. And Abuelazam's family hired Lanston-based attorneys Brian Morley and Edward Zaini? Zaini? He was flown to Flint on August 26th and lodged in the Genesee County Jail. Abuelazam was held in solitary confinement, likely for his safety, and because he had scarred a lot of lives with his actions, quote-unquote, is what they said. Mm. I mean, of course he did. Put him in gen pop. Sorry. I have, <laughs> I have thoughts. <laughs> a lot of people like this who are killers or rapists, um, pedophiles, I just think, like abusers in general, I'm just like, mm-hmm. let gen pop have fun with them. I'm just saying... <laughs> I mean, okay. (laughs) At his arraignment, he was ordered, he was held without bond by the judge, even after the prosecutor asked for a 10 million bail. So (laughs) they they even had a really high bail and they're like, nope, you you still can't do that. I tried to leave once. Sorry. Exactly. It was a flight risk. Nah. During the evidentiary hearing for the um, Arnold Minor case, the judge ruled that evidence of other Genesee County attacks could be used in the trial. So they had they had um, evidence in other cases. They just didn't do anything. Probably want to do the most sure one. Probably. I mean, the one that they knew for a fact that they could get. Yeah. um, The trial began on May 8, 2012. And the prosecution's key piece of evidence was a drop of minor's blood on a pair um, of pants that was found in Abuelazam's luggage. Oh, he even had the evidence with him. Wow. Yes. I mean, that was like, that's pretty much an open and shut case. I mean, like, why is this dude's blood in your luggage? Like, it's just like at that point. On May 15, the prosecution rested after calling 50 witnesses, including other victims and their relatives. Because he didn't kill all yeah. of them. I mean, 18 stabbings and only five were deaths. Yeah. But they only charged him with one murder. Like, ah, you got... Like, that's what makes me so mad. Did they not add like, all the assaults? Cause I guess... They, n- they could add the assault of all those people that lived. Like attempted right. murder for right. all of them. Yeah. Right. Um including other victims and their relatives, as well as several forensic experts, in addition to Abuelazam's uncle, who assisted the police in his capture. So the uncle was like, yeah, no, fam. Literally. Not me. Not me. (laughs) Two days later, on May 17, uh, his attorneys presented an insanity defense, of course. Their sole expert witness was a psychiatrist, Hired by his attorneys who diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia. So, I mean, your attorneys hire someone 
who then just diagnoses you like a, yeah i mean come on. that that just that just sounds like you've been paid to just write something on a piece of paper to me and abuelazam told him he committed the crimes because of quote unquote evil spirits uh-huh the psychiatrist also said abuelazam told him that he attempted suicide in 97 and was diagnosed as psychotic by his, an Israeli psychologist in 2009. But of course, I mean, how can you get the proof of that? He made sure to say that somebody in a different country died. No. Yeah. <laughs> the prosecution responded by attacking the psychiatrist's credibility, rightly so, noting that his field of expertise was addiction medicine. Oh, it's, yeah, it's completely different. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next day, the prosecution refuted the psychiatrist's diagnosis with two of their own mental health experts. So the prosecution was like, <laughs> nice try. Um, that was cute. But let's get real experts. <laughs> For real. <laughs> which were two, psych- uh, two psychologists who then testified on the behalf of the prosecution and agreed that Although Abuelazam has an unspecified personality disorder and that he lacked empathy, his attacks were too planned out and organized for him to be considered legally insane. On May 22nd, 2012, after only an hour of deliberation, the jury found Abuelazam guilty of minor's murder. And then on June 25th, he, he got his sentencing where he received life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. On August 26, 2010, uh, we're going back. Uh, the Genesee C- County Prosecutor's Office charged him with one account of assault with intent to commit murder for an attack on July 22nd, 2010. So we're getting back to like the, the victims that are alive. Yeah. Um, on September 20th, 2010, he was charged with four additional counts of assault to commit murder. The victims in those crimes are Bill Fisher, who was att- attacked June 26, 2010. Richard Booker, who was attacked July 19, 2010, uh, both in Genesee Township. Etwan Wilson, who was attacked August 1, 2010, near um, Pearson Road in Flint. And Devon Rawls of Flint. So basically all Flint. On October 8, 2010, an Ohio grand jury indicted Abuelazam and charged him with felonious assault and the stabbing of church janitor Tony Leno in Toledo, Ohio. On October 21st, 2010, he was charged with murder and the stabbing deaths of Frank Kelly Brew and Darwin Marshall. These, as far as I'm aware, are the ones that were dropped. Let me... Look back and make sure that I, where I got information from. Yes. These are all dismissed charges. I just forgot to write that at the beginning of my, <laughs> my script on this part. But these are all dropped charges. So why they were dropped, it's just all silly. On November 4, 2010, he was charged with two counts of resisting and obstructing a police officer causing injury. And three counts of resisting and obstructing a police officer after he attempted to punch a deputy and had to be tasered with the help of four other officers. Huh. On November 12, 2010, he was charged with malicious destruction of property 
for smashing out the windows of a car belonging to James Augsburger, um, boyfriend of one of the witnesses, Lucinda Mann. On November 23rd, he was charged with assault with intent to murder and the stabbing of Antoine Jackson, um, which was on July 12, 2010. And on August 1st, 2014, Abuela Zam filed a case in federal court against the Immigration and Naturalization Service, INS, and the United States Attorney General, asking to be deported to Israel to face charges of the attempted murder that happened in Lat Run on October 1st, 2009. So, hmm. basically, he wanted to be sent back to face that charge because likely get out. that charge would... Right, he would be there, and then he would s- serve a smaller sentence because it was only like assault. They would only got him for assault or attempted, yeah. and then he would get out, and then he'd be over there, and he wouldn't be. You know, he's like trying to just get out of his life imprisonment, yeah. basically. But Michigan authorities believed the lawsuit to be frivolous, and just expected it to be dismissed, noting that it is legally impossible because of his life without parole status since convicts cannot be deported until their full sentence is served. Huh. So, nice. Try, but you're still in life. You know, I can't. Yeah. They can't deport you after you die, sir. But, yeah. He'll he'll be deported after death to be buried over there. And it irritates me, yeah, and it irritates me that all those charges were dismissed. Like, just because he got a life sentence without parole, that doesn't mean that all the other victims just should be forgotten about or not given. I mean, yeah. On one hand, I get it because you know it costs money and time to do all that stuff. Right, which is probably the reasoning behind but, it. But yeah, at the same time, if you were a victim, or uh, one of your family members was killed by him, that you'd want the justice for it right and i mean i'm gonna be honest here and throughout my two cents flint obviously isn't using their money to fix their water (laughs) yeah i mean they're they're not using it for that they should have at least used it for this then but then you're gonna claim i mean what are you using it for then well, I mean, where's this money, guys? Probably <laughs> like, going into looking into other homicides, honestly. True, <laughs> yeah. Flint. Flint is pretty. Uh, everybody always talks about Detroit, but Flint is pretty bad. I've heard that about Saginaw too. Mm, yeah, I've heard. I've heard some about Saginaw. Mostly recently, I've been hearing a lot about Flint. There's actually a show. I think it is um, a documentary of some sort on Netflix that's about Flint. I'll have to check it out. Yes. And it is. I started watching it, but it was late at night and I didn't get to watch all of it. But yeah, it's pretty rough. Add that to my list. All right. Well, I I kind of have two, two separate things I want to go over because the first is pretty short. So for the first part, I'm back with another old timey murder in the Upper Peninsula because for some reason... <laughs> I, I the UP can't. loves old timey murders. Yes, because that's probably the most murders that we've had up here. Is 
<laughs> the old times I mean, when it was all... Or uh, at least the people that were found, because the UP yeah. is very dense in forestation. Like, yeah. It's going to um, be difficult. A lot of murders, when it was big on uh, mining and lumber, it seems like those dudes were pretty rowdy. So yeah. this one took place in Kipling, one of the two UP towns named for author and poet Rudyard Kipling. It's just outside of Gladstone near Escanaba. And like much of the UP's history, mining is involved. Kipling has ties to iron ore mining because of the smelting plant that opened in Kipling in... That date's not correct. (laughs) I think I have a typo. I think it's 1892 because I have 1982. So I think those two numbers are switched. (laughs) Yeah, pretty sure it was not 1982. No, it was not 1982. So 1892. Because of the proximity to Lake Michigan, iron ore was able to be transported from Marquette, processed, and then shipped south. To deal with the influx of housing needs for the workers, Eric Wahlberg built the Anderson Boarding House with John Anderson as the innkeeper. It was one of six boarding houses built at that time. And the boarding house was built in 1891. And on November 14th, 1918, a murder in the entryway shocked the community. 30-year-old boarder John Melberg was stabbed in the neck during an argument. Originally, John Wiena was suspected as the murderer because just prior, he had been thrown out after a drunken fight. And can I just say that last name made me giggle? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm a 10-year-old boy, and the name Wiena just made me giggle. <laughs> When found later in another boarding house, he had blood on his shirt and a half-packed suitcase. He was then arrested and jailed. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that was the, the automatic assumption, because he had just left another boarding house for getting into a fight. So like, I wasn't shocked that he would have blood on him or that he still had a half-packed suitcase, because he just got in a fight and moved. So... That didn't automatically scream murder to me. <laughs> but, yeah. However, after further investigating, police thought it might have been John Anderson. Malberg, Anderson, and Weena had been drinking heavily that day as they were celebrating the end of World War I, which officially ended three days prior. So what, be- what better way to end a war than just everybody getting just trashed right it was well known to everyone except anderson that melberg was attracted to anderson's wife ida oof during the celebration anderson encouraged ida to dance with melberg however after many dances and some heavy drinking on anderson's part he became jealous and angry at melberg anderson then grabbed a knife and attacked melberg and slit his throat in the entryway of the boarding house. What a good looking. Like, you tell him to do this, and then you're mad about it. Yeah. Like, like yeah, go ahead, <laughs> dance with her. It's a celebration. And then... And then, how dare you judge her? Like, how wait. can you, like, have it both ways? Yeah. Like, wait, what? You're enjoying this too much. Why would you let him dance with her anyways, knowing that he wanted your wife? Like, Well, he he didn't know. He, I think he was the only one. Oh, jeez. Everybody else pretty much knew, but yeah, poor Ida. (laughs) Today, the Anderson boarding house is the only one still standing and is known as the Kipling house and serves as a bed and breakfast. 
so the other thing I wanted to briefly talk about was the school shooting that happened uh, Oxford High School recently. Yes. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Yeah. 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 I've been watching a lot on it and it's very yeah. so horrific. Anybody that doesn't know, authorities received a 911 call about an active shooter at the school just before 1 p.m. on November 30th. 15-year-old sophomore Ethan Crumbly allegedly, and I, I have to use that word because it hasn't gone to trial yet, fired at least a dozen shots before police arrived and took him into custody. And I just feel like so bad for those families because four students were killed, including 17-year-old Madison Baldwin, 16-year-old Tate Meyer, 14-year-old Hannah St. Juliana, and 17-year-old Justin Schilling. And six other students and a teacher were shot. So my heart goes out to those families. That's it just, makes me it's ill. It's devastating. I, I know I was scrolling through TikTok when the video started popping up that the child, the students were filming. And I don't know how, I can't explain how many times I've sobbed rewatching the same one over and over again. Just seeing them terrified and i've i've heard you know different stories like to the video it, sh it says that um it was the killer on the other side of the door pretending to be an officer yeah but then there's people in the comments saying oh no police said that that wasn't that it was actually an officer but it's i i don't know what to believe in that instance i'd have to really go through and look into it because um the teacher is at the door for those who might not have seen it, the teacher is at the door um, and all the kids are on the other side of the room, hunkered down and close to the ground. Um, and you hear like a knock or a pound and somebody's saying, oh, you know, it's safe to come out. You, you can come out now, it's safe. And the kids are like, wait, he says it's safe. And someone's like, wait, wait, wait. And then the teacher says, yeah, well, we're not ready to take you know we're not willing to take that risk at this time yeah. the guy's like i can't hear you he's like we're not going to take that risk and then you hear the other guy which gets me to is a student's immediate reaction to the guy's words like he he like turns and you can see panic um you hear the guy say well why don't you come over to here over to the door and look at my badge bro and you hear you hear the kids go, he said, bro. Yeah, that's a red flag. And they all, and they go, they like basically congregate over to this window and they're waiting for like a signal. And as soon as they hear the signal, they push open the window and they all just f f like jump out the window and run to the other side where officers are like getting them into the safe zone. Yeah. And I just like the crying, the running, I'm sobbing, like watching it. It's just thinking about what these kids are going through yeah and have to deal with that makes me ill yeah as a parent i i don't yeah i can oof i can't and there there was one thing i saw that it did make sense where if somebody's coming to the door telling you it's safe you can come out if it is like get the principal or someone who has a key and they'll open the room and yeah, that's what people safe, were saying, like, too, is that if it's officers, officers will have keys to get in or whatever. And somebody had said that um, the police were saying that it was an officer 
and he was just trying to keep them calm by calling them bro. Either <laughs> way, they made <laughs> exactly like they've and just that... been through trauma. Maybe like come over here and look at my badge, bro. Isn't the uh, the proper response? Exactly. I mean, and they, I wouldn't have done it any other way. They did it. They made the right decision to not answering it because what if it isn't an officer? Yeah. I mean. Um, the parents, I know that the parents were on a run for a while because they're being charged. Yeah, I have more on um, that I can talk about. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if you had more. Yeah. So, um, James and Jennifer Crumbly, who are, um, was his name Ethan's parents? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ethan's parents pleaded not guilty to the charges against them because they were just arraigned in court um, Saturday morning, December 4th, on four counts of each involuntary manslaughter. A judge set their bonds at $500,000 each, saying there's some concern about them being a flight risk uh, because they had to be apprehended. And I think typically I would say that like you can't hold another person responsible for another person's actions. However, right. in this case... Yes, this case it was very much... Yeah, yeah the it's... gun was not locked up, kept somewhere safe. Their son couldn't get to it. They were warned by the school he needed to be removed on the day of the shooting. They refused. The day of, he was there, and they yeah. left. You're Some right. disturbing images were found on his desk, including a gun with the words, the thoughts won't stop, help me, and a bullet with the words, blood everywhere. And the previous day, a teacher saw the suspect searching for information and ammunition on his cell phone. Prosecutor of the case said the school tried unsuccessfully to reach Jennifer Crumbly, who later texted her son, LOL, I'm not mad at you. You have to learn not to get caught. And to make it even worse, prosecutors believe the gun was purchased for the teenager based on his social media posts. It was, um, from what I've been listening to, it was purchased for him for Christmas, which the kid's 15. Don't buy him a stinking handgun. He wasn't legally allowed to have it. Exactly. <laughs> it's a different thing if you're like a hunter and you go deer mm-hmm. hunting and you have a rifle. But at the same time, as he a, went with his father yeah. to purchase it. Yeah. As, okay, listen. I mean, <laughs> as a parent yeah. with guns, I'm still going to keep them locked up in a way that my son can't get into them. Even if we're like, okay, we're going to go hunting. I'm not going to trust the child to be able to respect it enough yet until... They've been trained on how to use it and know how to do everything. And still, I'm not going to leave a gun for my kid just to be able to grab whenever he wants. It's not going to happen. Exactly. Even if an adult is coming over, you lock that away. You don't just leave something out in the open or where somebody can get to it because you're responsible. Like, that's that's yours. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. Yeah. And that's... I mean, he went with, like I was saying, he went with his father to purchase the gun. He knew he was getting it for Christmas. He knew where they kept it in his in their room. Like, they showed him everything. He had pictures, like, I guess, on social media with the gun saying, my new baby. Yeah. I mean, it. he had a countdown to the kills Ugh. on social media. The school was aware. The parents were aware. And that's the thing is, like, I guess that morning when they had brought the parents in to the school, 
to talk about him. They had like, like you said, stated that, you know, he should be taken out. They laughed it off and just said, he's fine. He needs to stay in school and left the school without him. And now there are deaths. Yeah. And traumatized students and parents and teachers. And you're just like. Yeah. I think any responsible parent, if the school said, you need to take them out of school, we feel like something's going on, you say, okay, we'll figure something out. Like, you don't just shirk that responsibility and say, no, they're going to stay at school. Exactly. And then, I'm going to top it all off, like, I understand, like, you maybe don't want to be associated with things that your kids did if you didn't, you know, encourage that. Yeah. Quote, unquote. <laughs> Just don't get caught. <laughs> I put that. <laughs> right. But they also ran. So not only are they part of this, they abandon their child that is in jail, getting tried as an adult for terrorism and murder to just run and get caught 45 minutes away from home. Yeah. In a building. One new story where, like, they weren't running. They were just getting away from whatever. I was like, um, maybe just That's take, what the lawyers were saying. Maybe just take responsibility for how you completely dropped the ball. Exactly. Apparently, from what I've been reading, their attorney is the same attorney uh, that Larry Nasser had. Oh. If we remember. That piece of shit. That lovely... <laughs> disgusting scum of the earth human um and yeah they're like when they were on the run the attorney kept saying oh they're not on the run they're gonna turn themselves in they had an arraignment set that morning when they disappeared it and it was like past that yeah obviously they're not turning themselves in they were supposed to be here like and i guess um from what i'm also read is that one of their friends was hiding them. Oh. Which now that person might face charges. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. I mean, and just that whole LOL, I'm not bad. Just you got to work on not getting caught. Yeah. You slap her in the face. <laughs> Man, no wonder the kid has issues. Right. There's something obviously wrong with the parenting. Yikes. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting sad. to see where this goes with the trial because <laughs> it's going to be national news for a while. I oh, think. yeah, absolutely. Just yeah, my heart goes out to those victims and their families and everyone involved, all those students that had to go through that that day. That's just heartbreaking. Absolutely. And as a parent, I can't imagine Oh, no. I mean, my worst nightmare. That was one of my fears, getting my kid to start school. Like, I mean, especially with his with his autism, I just can't help but thinking, he doesn't listen when you say sit still or no, quiet down. He's jumping. He's flapping his hands. He's running around in circles. He's carrying on as an autistic child, five-year-old would. Yeah. And it scares me to think, like, He's not going to just sit in a corner and be quiet. Yeah. And it worries me. I don't like people nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. So to, to switch over to a better topic, do you have any 
Do you have a hell yes or any good news for this week? Um, if you have one, I'll think of mine. <laughs> well, I'm supposed to go on a work trip next. Well, I guess this week now. Yeah. So I'll, I'll see how that goes. I'm hoping I can do some Christmas shopping while I'm there. And uh, the countdown to Christmas is on. I'm excited. Yes. Well, I finally cleaned up my depression room, as I call it, <laughs> um, <laughs> because when you're depressed and things get messy, everything get, piles up and then it's just too much and you don't clean. And I tore apart my bedroom and I was able to even vacuum the floor yesterday. Yay. And it feels nice. And so it's cleaned. My bed is made. My desk looks nice. I'm happy. I feel better. I feel better emotionally now that I'm not surrounded in chaos in my room. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. Like a clean room helps your mind, whatever. Very much so. I had to do that in my office because it was a disaster. And I haven't been able to work out my ellipticals in here. I couldn't get to it because it was it was surrounded by just piles of stuff and boxes and everything. So I got it cleaned up. And I've been able to actually start using it, which is nice. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I know how you feel. I'm kind of the same way now. I actually have room. I can move around and do stuff. And... Do activities. Yeah. I can do so <laughs> many activities. Activities. <laughs> and now I have to go get my oil changed. Because as I was dropping my son off at his father's, I'm on my way there. And my oil change light decides to come oh. on. And I'm like, oh, dang it. <laughs> not that now. I just finished one thing. Yeah, I need to do my <laughs> can you, two. Can actually. you not? <sighs> yeah, first I have so to. I'm getting my winter tires put on tomorrow, which I need desperately. And then the oh, yeah. oil change is yeah. definitely next. I know where you live. You need you need those those winter tires. Because I have all season right now, but they don't hold up to the snow and slush the way that snow tires do. Right. So I gotta go yeah. switch those babies out. Oh, and I did want to find out how did you like that um, perfume? I love it. Right. <laughs> So good. Thank you, I got Next a new by one. Ariana Grande. I got a new one. Oh, let me see if I can reach it while wearing my headphones. So I have a few of hers. <laughs> I've been trying them out. This one was The Cloud. I like it. It's it's a little bit more masculine than feminine, but I like it a lot. This one, I'm not quite sure what it's called. I don't remember. It usually had a little poof on the side. Um... It also smells good, but like those um, gift packs, like what you got your, the thank you next in, yeah. I got that one for my mom because she steals my perfume all the time. <laughs> so she got that. And then uh, she got me the sweet like candy one. So I have the little ornament on my Christmas tree behind me. And then I have this, which is the sweet like candy. Oh, nice. That I'm wearing. I like it. Of course, the thank you next is the best, but I like that I have options. <laughs> yeah, she does have quite a few. Um, 
She comes out with a new one after every album. I want to know how God is a woman smells. I, I just need to go somewhere. I know. I have not. I I haven't. Oh, wait. The God is a woman. I think that's the cloud one. No, it's like um, the image here where you can actually see it. Oh, I haven't even seen that. The The bottle on this one, it's like kind of squarish and then you can see it almost look like a gem in the middle where the outside uh-huh. of the bottle is cut out yeah i don't know see the cloud one that i know came out after the album that god as a woman is on it's just like a giant cloud yeah that you put it in just like the uh thank you next is the broken heart was this that one other the one with the poof was that called moonlight it, it might looks be. like that might be the one if it's i'm not quite Sure, it's more see-through than... I'd probably have to smell it and figure out. I. It smells nice. I do like that bottle. It's more florally. But she does She does come out with some good perfumes. I will give that girl that. Her perfumes do smell great. <laughs> well, because like a lot of celebrities, you'll smell their perfumes and you're like, ew. What is this garbage? I don't know. I really loved the Britney Spears one that was in the pink bottle. Was it Fan- yes. Fantasy? Britney Spears? It might have been. I, I, I know what you're talking about, oh, yeah. though. It was fantasy. It's the pink bottle with the gemstones. Okay. Curious was the blue one. Yeah. I liked Curious. I don't think I I smelled fantasy. I don't know. And then she had one called Midnight that looks like the fantasy one, but it's purple instead of pink. Hmm. Just went on a tangent about... Tangent about perfumes. <laughs> yep. That's our hell yes moment is smelling nice and not like a bag of feces. I might look like garbage, but I smell amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. I felt that. <laughs> and with that note, I think... Uh... That's all we have today. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening and uh, come back. We'll be back. It, not not so much of a break next time. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> and uh, stay safe out there, guys, and watch out for the crazies. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. The music titled Teller of the Tales was provided by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incomptech.filmmusic.io.